Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Today's episode is a little bit different than episodes I've posted in the past. And what I wanted to do today was I wanted to talk to two teenagers who are making a difference in their community with social media and mental health. And so both of these are really short interviews, about 15 to 20 minutes each. And the first interview is with Hannah Whiteman. Hannah is a senior in high school, and she started an Instagram page called You Are Missing Out. And it is all about reminding teenagers to stop mindless scrolling and think about the things, the real life things they might be missing out on. So listen in as I talk to Hannah about social media and teenagers. Welcome, Hannah. I'm so excited to have you here on this episode where we're going to talk about some really neat initiatives that teens are starting. And before we go into your initiative that you've started, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, like where you live, you know, what grade you are in school, kind of just so we get to know you? My name is Hannah. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm 16 years old and I'm going to be a senior in high school, like about a week from now. So that's very exciting. That is exciting. What kinds of things are you involved in in high school? I'm very big in volleyball and student council at my school. So I spend a lot of time doing that. So you had some leadership stuff going with student council already. Well, tell us a little bit about You Are Missing Out and what made you want to start it? I've always been pretty interested in screen use and screen time around my friend groups. I'm always noticing that everyone's always on their phones. Teens are always on their phones. And I really, this summer, I wanted to do something about it because I'm kind of just sitting at home Mm -hmm. also on my phone (laughs) and I've wanted to start an initiative. So there were sort of two things that I was trying to consider. So the first was a balance between screen time and no screen time. So I started this thing called a dopamine detox that I found online where you go off your phone for a complete 24 hours. And I did that. But I found that immediately after the 24 hours, I snapped right back into the screen time. And so that wasn't effective. So I decided I wanted to do I wanted to start something where it's a balance where scrolling on your phone is fine. Being on Instagram for 30 minutes is okay. Catching up with your friends is fine. But it's when it reaches like this addictive, the four hours, five hours, six hours a day, when it's a problem. So I wanted to be on a platform where, so I'm on Instagram centrally, where it's people can still scroll through Instagram, but they'll see my little post and it will remind them, okay, it's been enough. I need to find that balance. And then the second thing that I wanted to consider is, I'm not sure if you know what FOMO is. Have mm-hmm. you heard of that? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Fear of missing out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of teens, I'm, I know you mentioned you had a couple kids experience FOMO. Like we get so mad if we're not invited to something because we don't want to miss out. So I sort of capitalized on that to get kids to realize, okay, I'm missing out on 
going on a walk. I'm missing out on looking at the sunlight, watching the clouds. Something that I'm looking for posting in the future is like, you're missing out on potentially like going out and meeting your soulmate or something. You never know what you're missing out on. So I'm sort of using that to capitalize and to get kids to realize, okay, maybe I shouldn't be laying in bed, spending all these hours scrolling TikTok and Instagram. I love that. So that's your title. You're missing. So you're trying to show people what they might be missing out on by being on their phone all the time. Yeah. I love exactly. that. And don't you Thank think you. like, I know you're in California where the lockdowns have been or shutdowns have been even more pronounced than other parts of the country, perhaps the crazy state Texas that I live in. <laughs> but I noticed with my own teenage daughter who is at home, like she's been on her phone so much and she'll just mindlessly get on TikTok and then two hours go by. And you're right. What could she have been doing in that time? But do you think like, screen usage and scrolling has really gone up in these COVID times where people are quarantined? Or did you see this as a big problem before too? I think it's always been a problem, but it's definitely gotten a lot worse during COVID. And when there's nothing to do, like I know for me, I would just go to class and then go a couple feet over to my bed and then just scroll. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really a time warp. And it's sort of it's sort of a coping mechanism because it's not like you're in reality. You're in a different area where time moves differently. Two hours feels like two seconds. Mm -hmm. And it really feels like you're, you're just isolating yourself from the world. You are so smart. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I told you before we recorded, you're the first teen that I'm interviewing for this. And I do have three kids. I have a 24-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 15-year-old. But you're just so articulate and, and just really wise. And I love that because I didn't know. I didn't know when we started talking. It's, it's just, you're right. It is a coping mechanism. It's a way to yeah. escape. And I feel like right now, if teens can't be super social in person, it's just a perfect way for them to escape. Yeah. Not perfect. I mean, it feels perfect. It's not perfect because they end up doing it too long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, certainly. So I know you probably haven't been around your friends a lot, but I have a question for you for maybe before you were around them. When y'all are together, like, do you find when you're hanging out together that you're still looking at your phones or are you focusing on each other? Because this is something I hear a lot. I'm in private practice. And like I said, I have three kids. And I remember my daughter going to some birthday parties or just, you know, get togethers. And she was like, everybody's just looking at Snapchat or everybody's just looking at Instagram while they're actually together. Do, do you see that in your friend groups too? Yeah, I definitely see it where we make a plan to go together and then we're just scrolling through our phones, but I find it more so not in my close friends, but if I'm in a larger social situation, like a party of someone who I'm not as close to, I think people like kids, especially with COVID, they're anxious around meeting new people and they don't know what to do. And as soon as someone else picks up their phone, I actually learned about this a couple years ago, you instantly feel lonely and you instantly feel like you need to do so also. So it's this chain reaction of if there's like a birthday party or something, or you're like sitting at lunch at school and you can use your phone. One kid picks it up and then the other kid feels the need to also, even if they don't want to be on their phone. So That's so really true. That's you're, you're absolutely right. I make an effort. I've been in like 
it's been a while, but I've been in like an audience, you know, I'm going to see something and I'm by myself. I remember at my daughter's middle school and I didn't know the other parents. And so to sit there before the performance starts, most people are scrolling their phone. Whereas before, because I'm old, <laughs> we would talk to each other. You would turn to the yeah. person beside you and say, hey, is your child in this performance or how old is your kid? And you would build social connections. But yeah, I think people just kind of look at their phones now. I've made a concerted effort. Sometimes I'll tell myself in that situation, like I won't let myself pull out my phone. I remember going for jury duty right before COVID and the same sort of thing. There's, you know, a hundred of us in this room, total strangers, and I purposefully didn't pull out my phone and I ended up meeting two great people that were next to me. You know, we didn't keep in touch. It was jury duty, but it was wonderful to talk to them in that time. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, your whole podcast is about connecting with people mm-hmm. and it's so important to form those connections. That what make, that's what makes like humans thrive. Mm-hmm. So if we're glued to our phones, we can't do that as much. Yeah. And I think it becomes this cycle that you alluded to is that perhaps in the moment you're feeling some social anxiety. And so it's comforting. It's a coping mechanism to look at your phone, but then you really don't get better at that social anxiety because you don't get to practice it and face it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How do you see like what you're trying to do impacting teens. Have you seen anything come out of it? I I mean, I messaged you. I don't know how I saw it, to be honest. I can't remember, but I think it was like your first or second post. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. Are people kind of giving you that kind of feedback? Yeah. So I've gotten a few like really nice DMs from teens or even adults, really any ages. And they say like, I really love what you're doing. I saw one of your posts and it it reminded me to get off their phone. We've only been up for, I think, a month, a month and a half. So we're just starting out. But I've, I've gone some really great feedback. And that's my goal. As long as one person is like waiting in line, scrolling their phone, and they, they see one of my posts come up, and then they decide to get off. That found me in the world. It, it ha- has happened to me. I know I probably was not your target demographic. I'm 53 years old, <laughs> but I do spend a lot of time on Instagram and it, it worked for me. And so I'm hoping through this podcast too, we usually have a thousand plus downloads for every episode. So hopefully you'll get lots of new followers and it's mostly parents, but hopefully they'll share with their teens. And I don't know, I I know I told my daughter about you, but I'm going to send her yours too, because she scrolls. (laughs) Yeah. I think now that y'all are back in school, I don't think she's going to have as much time, you know? Yeah, definitely with being like, I'm starting like AP classes early. My screen time is down a lot just from school. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's kind of ironic when I first told my family at the dinner table about your mission and your platform, we all got a chuckle, as I'm sure most people do, that your medium is social media. But as you described it, it makes perfect sense because you're just there to kind of remind people it's not all or nothing like you tried, but it's the balance. But are there ways that you're trying to get your message out in other ways too, besides Instagram or not? Yeah. So actually it launched yesterday I started a website where we post all of the blogs and people can interact with each other for people who don't have Instagram but still Mm -hmm. don't want to be scrolling and it's called you're missing out dot blog so that's new up and coming 
And then another thing that we're thinking of is sending out text reminders to people. So you put your phone number in and then you get like daily texts of things that you're missing out on instead of mindlessly scrolling. I love that, Hannah. I have a feeling you're going to do pretty amazing things. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the future. You you mentioned that you have an interest in psychology. Is that kind of what you think you might want to study down the road or? Yeah, I mean, I love developmental psychology, but I also love neuroscience and biology. So something in that realm, I would love to do. That's awesome. So what do you think? Because like I said, this will be my last question for you, but most of my listeners are parents and most of them have teens, tweens, young adults. What do you think we as parents need to know about our kids and social media? There are two major things. The first one is teens hate being told what to do. That's Mm -hmm. just the way it works. So with my page, I try to make it not so much get off your phone, you're, you're wasting your life, but more of, hey, this might be better. So I think when parents yell at their kids, just get off your phone, you're wasting your life. I think it makes teens feel like they're devalued. And it's, it makes them feel like the parents think that they're stupid in a way because teens don't like to be told what to do. So I think if they're just gently reminded what's better instead of what not to do, could be very important. And then the second thing is to understand that social media is really an escape from reality that teens don't want to deal with. So it could be as simple as they're just bored and they just want something to do, but it could also be a coping mechanism for not wanting to deal with what's in front of their faces. So to really understand that as much as social media, they say it leads to depression and anxiety, depression and anxiety may lead to social media overconsumption. So to be mindful of, there could be a lot of underlying roots in extreme screen time usage. So to take it very carefully and fragilely. I think that's excellent advice because you're absolutely right. I don't think a lot of parents would think, well, gosh, they're spending all their time looking at their phone. Maybe they're feeling anxious. Maybe they're feeling sad. Or like you said, that fear of missing out, of seeing what everybody else seems to be doing and you may not be doing. So that's really, really good advice. I love that. Um, I know it's so tricky to navigate. My 15-year-old does not have Snapchat and she started high school yesterday and She's like, maybe I should get it. Everybody seems to be on it, but I don't want it because I don't want to be on another thing. But but she's worried about that, I think, being left out. Will I not be invited to things? Well, because I guess that's how a lot of people, a lot of teens communicate and invite people. Yeah, it's really just the personal thing. Whatever works for you. I would say if you want, if your kid wants to try it out, then try it out, but really take in, you know. There's definitely negatives. I deleted Snapchat because I did not like it. It made me feel awful about myself. But yeah. depends on the parents, the, the kids. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky. It's hard for me as an expert in this field to... I delayed for the longest time letting my kids have social media until I felt like they were emotionally mature enough. And then I worked with them for basically like the first year they were on Instagram. And we all started with Instagram because I felt like it was kind of the safest. 
and I could see what they were doing. And, you know, everybody makes social media mistakes, but to kind of guide them along. But I think you're right. I think you have to really be in touch with how it makes you feel as a person. And she ultimately decided not to get it right now because I think she is worried about how it will make her feel. And, um, you know, you kind of have to really be in touch with that because I think a lot of teens aren't and they just kind of do what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And good for her. Like there's so few teens who have that willpower to say, I care about myself and my mental health more than feeling like I fit in. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. It was the first day of high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I admired it. And I I just, you know, told her I was really proud of that decision and and kind of see where it goes. But um, it's just such a double-edged sword, you know, because you want friends, you want to belong, but you also really kind of want to protect your mental health, just like you said. Yeah. Well, where tell our listeners where they can find your new blog again and where they can find you on Instagram. Yeah, so our blog is called you're missing out dot blog and we spell you're missing out with you are for your. And then same with the Instagram account. That's where you can find most of our stuff. It's your dot missing dot out. And then coming soon, hopefully, we'll do the texting thing. And I'm also working on a new little journal that I'm trying to write right now to get kids to journal about their feelings instead of scrolling on their phone. So that's very far in the future. But you can see that on our Instagram as well. I love it. I'm so impressed with all you're doing. I really really can't wait to keep following you and keep in touch and see what great things you're doing in the future. So keep it up. It takes a long time, but I think I would love for everybody to see your messages so that they can be cognizant of kind of just the mindless scrolling and kind of stop and get out and do things and not miss out on life. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. It was my first podcast. I had a great time. You did great. You really did. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes so that people can find your page and find your Instagram. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Hannah as much as I enjoyed talking to her. I love what she's doing at You Are Missing Out. For the second half of this episode, I interviewed Zach Gottlieb of Talk with Zach. So during COVID, Zach developed an Instagram page as a platform where people could normalize talking about mental health. From his experience, boys really didn't talk about mental health issues. They didn't talk about their anxiety or their depression. And he really wanted to create a space where people could reach out to one another and normalize talking about their feelings and emotions. So listen in as I have a short conversation with Zach Gottlieb. Well, welcome, Zach. I'm so excited to finally talk to you and to have you as a guest on the podcast. Can you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself, um, like where you live and and what grade you are in school and kind of just things that you do? Sure. So first of all, thanks so much for having me. And I live in the U.S. I'm in California. I'm 15 years old and I'm going into my sophomore year of high school. Okay. Have you started school yet? Yeah. So Last week was actually my first week of school. So we're a week in and it's going pretty well. Good. And so like, w- tell us, you started an Instagram page called Talk With Zach. And can you tell us what made you want to start this page and what exactly, you know, you saw in your own life that prompted you to do this? Sure. So 
back during COVID, there was a lot of talk in the news about how teens need to share about their mental health because we were in remote learning and we weren't seeing our friends. But I noticed that this was especially hard for boys in particular. And I really wanted to change that because seeing that made me realize that this was something that I'd noticed my entire life, how boys can't really talk about their emotions. So I wanted to create a platform and a community where people of all genders can talk about what they feel and feel comfortable doing so. And so like, have you talked with your own friends? Because I have two sons and I know that particularly in the ages that you were, I think those middle school and early high school years in particular, it is really hard if you're feeling some social anxiety, if you're feeling depressed a little bit, it is really hard. I think girls can open up to their friends and maybe even their moms or dads a little bit more about it. Did you see that in your own friends that maybe they were having these feelings and they just didn't, they didn't feel comfortable talking about it? Yeah. I feel like there are a lot of things that you could sort of tell that someone may be going through, but also there's so many things that like people are hiding and that Mm -hmm. you'd like never really know that they're dealing with. So I feel like for girls, it's like sometimes or typically they're more open about what they feel. And and for guys, a lot of times, sometimes you just really don't know that they're going through something really tough because they don't feel comfortable sharing about it. And I think sometimes, and, and I do work, I don't really work with teens, but I work with parents. I am a counselor and I work with families who are going through this. And even my own son, who's 20 now, but I know he had social anxiety in high school. And I don't think, honestly, Zach, that he knew that's what he had. He just knew like he didn't feel comfortable in party situations or in group situations. And he's like one of the most confident entrepreneur, can talk to any adult, but like put him in a high school social situation, like prom or homecoming, and he hated it. And I think it was so much harder for him to see too. And tell me if you see this, everybody else seemingly loving those situations and then feeling like, why don't I think this is fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I could sort of speak about this a little bit. This is sort of like what I was talking about earlier, where like a lot of times people show one thing, like they show they're having a good time, they show they're fine, and they're not in reality. So I feel like, yeah, like people do enjoy those things. But I don't think he was the only person that was not really enjoying those types of situations. And the other thing about that is you mentioned that he didn't really know that he had it. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that is sort of because he didn't really feel comfortable talking about it. And other people weren't talking to him about that. And when that happens, when when he feels that way, he doesn't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have the label for it. Exactly. Um, and, and then I think it creates shame, too, because you're right. It looks like everybody else is having fun. And by the way, he is a mental health professional for a mom. So it's not like we don't talk about these things at the dinner table, you know. Um, and so I imagine if people like that are going through that. Yeah, you're right. There's probably so many teen boys who are experiencing anxiety, depression, social anxiety, and not knowing a how to label it or exactly what it is. And then if they do not feeling like they could talk to other people about it, because it doesn't look like anybody else is having it. These are invisible kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. If we 
were to start talking about these more as a, like as a like if if in our culture if we started to talk about mental health and like what people are feeling and that could really help people understand that what they're experiencing is normal and then what it is and I feel like that would be really important for a lot of people. So let me ask you this. As, as always happens, I had some lists of questions that I sent you. But as I start talking, I'm, I'm like, well, what about this? Do you think from just kind of your experience in your peers, do you think it's harder for boys to seek treatment when they do have anxiety or depression? I feel like it is because a lot of times they don't want to like, for example, like see a therapist. They, they sort of just want to like get through it. And not just like about like the like their mental health, but also like if they fall down, like they just want to like get up and like like even me, like if I get hurt, I'm just like like I don't want to like you know sit out and like see if I'm okay. I want to like keep going. Not sort of like the culture we live in, but like it starts to become problematic when like you you really shouldn't be like pushing through certain things. You can't really push through depression. And if you try to do that, it's going to be really tough. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like our culture really influences us in that way. Mm -hmm. So you took to social media, which is where the teens are, and you started this page. And what are like some of your goals for the page? I mean, obviously, you want there to be more conversation about mental health and kind of, I guess, to normalize it, to put the words out there, to make it acceptable to talk about. But what else do you hope your page will do for others? I want to reach as many people as possible and just raise awareness about these issues that we're all facing. And I also, you know, I, I post videos answering questions submitted by teens. And I hope that those, you know, like I look for the questions that are going to be, be universally helpful. So I hope that those are helping people too, and not just like raising awareness, but like specific things. Um, and then like all of conversations with experts that I feel like are helping people. Um, and that's um, really good too. And lastly, in the near future, there are going to be a lot more opportunities for teens so they could really connect and so, so we could talk about things we need to talk about more. I think that's great. And I think that connection is awesome because like we talked about earlier, you're right. When you go to a high school dance or a football game or whatever, I'm sure there are lots of other kids who feel awkward, who feel social anxiety, who feel that. And to kind of know I'm not alone. There are other teens that are having depression or that are having anxiety. It just takes sort of the shame and stigma away, but it also just makes you feel like, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, there's, this might be difficult for me, but it's difficult for a lot of people. All right. Well, lots of the most people that listen to my podcast are not teens, they're parents. <laughs> so most of my audience has teenagers. And I want to ask you, because I, it's, I always think it's really good to get your perspective what do we as parents need to understand about life as a teen right now in, you know, September, October of 2021? I feel like they need to know that there's so many different types of pressure and stressors that teens face um, in 2021, whether it's social pressure, academic pressure, and it's really like ramped up. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they need to be aware of that and also understand that you know, if their kid says, like, I'm going through this, or I feel this, instead of trying to say, like, no, you don't, or like, 
why like well you have this and you know whatever like you shouldn't be feeling sad I feel like Mm -hmm. they should sort of acknowledge that their kids could be going through something I feel like that's important because when you say to your kid like oh like you shouldn't be feeling this um you're invalidating what they feel um Mm -hmm. and, and that would just like make them feel alone I would imagine Yeah, I think that's an excellent point to say, to acknowledge it, because you know what I think parents do, Zach, is they probably say, oh, no, I mean, you have you have everything. You know, a lot of parents, especially when I think about my audience that listens, they're probably like, oh, why would you feel depressed? Why would you feel anxious? You have everything. You have all these opportunities. You know, you're at a great school or you have friends. And they sort of try to talk you out of your anxiety or depression. And that, like you said, just invalidates it and is exactly the opposite of what they need and what we should be doing. Um, And I hear parents do it all the time. I hear, you know, parents come in my practice and say, my son told me they were depressed. And I what did you say? I told them, oh, no, you're not. You know, it's just COVID. Everybody's having a hard time. And I think that's a really valid point to not try to talk them out of their feelings, but to acknowledge that they're going through a lot. So you would say like the biggest stressor right now is just kind of the pressure, like academic pressure, social pressure that teens are feeling. Yeah, I, I really do. And they're like, just if you single them out, it's a lot. But when you put them all together, Mm -hmm. it could sometimes feel overwhelming. I'm sure. I'm sure. I wouldn't want to be a teenager now. When I think back, like we didn't have social media. People weren't watching your every move. And um, I I know that's what, and even getting into college, which I know even just saying those words probably makes teenagers feel stressed. Oh, yeah. it was easier. You filled out a piece of paper and you sent it in and, you know, it was just much easier uh, than it is today. So do you have a piece of advice for parents of how maybe we can either better support our kids with all that pressure or even take some of that pressure off of them? Sort of what I said earlier is that parents should acknowledge what their teens are feeling and also be aware of this because Mm -hmm. if they say like, oh, you know, like when I was a kid, I, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's, it's so much different now, just in like the past, like 10, 15 years, it it is so different. And also just like one thing that parents sort of do is like have really high expectations for their kids. Instead of having like holding them to those expectations, they should teach their kids to have high expectations of themselves and set goals for themselves. So really just like instilling that like intrinsic mindset, I feel Mm -hmm. like would be really important. And another thing is really just being there for them, like creating a space where they feel comfortable talking to you. If you're a parent, just like ask them how they're doing check in with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really excellent advice. You're right. Parents do have such high expectations. And I think you're right. Like we need to see what, what are your goals for yourself? What do you want to accomplish? It's not about us. What you accomplish should not be about our dreams and goals as parents. It should be what you feel good. So have, make sure that the teens are setting their own expectations and their own goals and kind of not really forcing our inflated expectations onto them. And then I also really like what you say about kind of establishing that really good relationship and connection. So if they are having a hard time, there's a safe place for them to talk and to really be there. And you're right. You make an excellent point. Your first point was that 
times have changed drastically and they have. And I have a lot of parents who will say to me, because I do a lot of parenting coaching, well, I'm just going to do, it was this way when I was growing up. So that's what I'm going to do with my kids. And you're right. We can't parent the same way because it's a totally different world. Yeah, it is. It's a lot different now. And coming to terms with that can really help your kid too. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good points. So what's next for you? I know you said there's going to be a little bit more like interactive or support stuff, but how are you going to try to reach more people or are you, do you have plans to try to get this message out in other ways as well? I'm thinking of expanding to other platforms. I sort of do TikTok now. I might expand to YouTube. Right now I'm, I'm, I'm just mainly on Instagram though. And then I'm also, you know, going to come out with a website where there will be opportunities for teens where they can become ambassadors and really just like share their experience about issues that we need to talk about. I think that's awesome. I have no doubt it's going to be really successful. I don't know you, but I'm really proud of what you're doing. Um, As a mental health professional, I think there's a need for this. And I think it's really brave. And I love that you're taking this on. So I think that's great. I think TikTok will be great because I know like I said, I have a daughter that's 15 and I, I love Instagram. I think it's a really lovely community, a really supportive community. But I also know that like there's a lot of negative messages on TikTok, but there can be a lot of positive ones too. And this would be, I think it would be a great space for you to have this really positive message and this impact for people. So I wish you all luck and thank you so much. Tell our listeners where they can find you right now on Instagram and TikTok. And we'll also put this in the show notes for people. Sure. So I'm at Talk with Zach on Instagram and TikTok. Good. Find me there. Check out my content and news about the website and becoming an ambassador will be out soon. So look out. Okay, great. Okay, great. And if you have that before we air this, share it and we'll put it in the show notes too. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and congratulations on what you're doing. You're gaining followers very quickly and hopefully you'll gain even more after this airs. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Of course. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully, you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area.